When life throws you a curveball, how are you going to handle adversity? Welcome to the Fearless Mindset Podcast, where you're about to go on a journey as I interview security, business, and entertainment leaders on what it takes to stay fearless. I'm your host, Mark Ludlow, and enjoy today's episode. Recycle. Ron, what is your advice to a maybe a small security company as they're, they just open a stop and they're going to 2023 and going, okay, how am I going to make this work? How am I going to get some business? What's your advice to them? Well, right in back of you, see, Lendler's done a good job because if you're listening and watching the podcast, what you have on that wall there are are essentially sectors within a market sector. So <laughs> I'm not trying to be glib though, Mark, but it's like you you got to pin it down. If you own a business as a risk consultant, mm-hmm. if you own a business that does uh, uh, security guards, if you run a business that is a system integrator, these are all different approaches in today's market, right? So but um, but again, it goes back to what we said at the beginning. You need to know what the transactions of value are going on in your marketplace. Hmm. So if I took a risk consultant and he says, what do I do for the future? I go, how well do you know your market? So, so if I take, if I take the persona you're targeting right now, who are you targeting? I'm targeting targeting managers of security in the healthcare industry. Great. Now we've narrowed it down to that. What kind of transactions or value are going in that? How does that manager of security, what, how does he or she come up with a scorecard for evaluating vendors and taking a piece of their budget to put on that activity? How well do you know that process and that line of thinking before you can make judgment calls on the construction of your business. Does that make sense? So I call that the mind of the market. And you really need, I, there, there was a guy I was coaching who was starting up such a business. And he was trying to come up with a name for his business. And yet, and yet he doesn't have a persona yet or an understanding of the market sector he's going to live in. But he's doing branding already, thinking if I can launch an LLC and a brand, I, you know, right. And by the way, fantastic guy. One of the best guys I know in, I'm not, I'm not going to name the sector because it could pinpoint him, but a, a remarkable guy. But I urged him to really study his persona and how they make decisions regarding their, uh, regarding vendors and their budget uh, before he makes any decision. I call that mind of the market. And then, I have a mind of the investor sequence that I do that says, what could disrupt what you do? Notice what I just, when I, when I threw you the thought experiment and said, what if we got rid of security? What would that look like? What if we got rid of taxis? What would that look like? What if we got rid of bookstores? So we ran that little experiment. Same thing here. What do you want to be just another risk consultant? Then how do I rank you as a vendor if everyone does what you do? How do you stand out? How do you stand out? Or is there a different way of approaching the market that no one's thought of before? True. Or or one people thought of before. So I'd really get into it with that business owner. That's how I'd approach it, if that makes sense. 
Make perfect sense. So I know everybody's trying to think, uh, okay, I want to make money this year. What's it going to look like? A lot of the notes. We don't have a crystal ball. We just got to go off of what we're hearing off of CDC, which could be glum and boom, or, you know, it depends on what industry you're in. So either thrive or not even do too well. There, every economy is have their up and down. Every industry, it's right, and another industry may go down. It just depends on, like you said, Ron, what are what is your service product? Yeah. So one of the questions of your prospect and clients is for you're sit you're sitting in a room and you're all trying to determine what to spend money on. What's taking the most priority right now? You know, that, that would be a great question of your buyers. What's taking priority right now? It, not just you, but the people around you. What is taking priority? Well, and don't let them get away with, well, we just, we don't know yet. We're just doing layoffs. We're just cutting costs. No, somebody knows where this boat is going and they're still investing in things that matter. What are they investing in? Very true. Right. I mean, if, if they're asking you to take 10% across the board, which is a strategy, we never got to that strategy, but if you're sitting, you're sitting in the executive team and, and the CEO owner goes, we all have to take a cut. All of us, all of us are, that is such a damn cheap way of, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, all you CEOs who have that strategy. It's stupid, okay? It just sorry. I mean, don't just say 10% across the board. You don't. You have to look at your mission, vision, your customer. How what legs are you going to stand on? Are you gonna hope they take the right 10%? I mean, come on. Hope's not a strategy. You've heard that before. So, so you but you need to understand how they're going through that process and what they're continuing to invest in. And if they're not going to continue invest in what you do for the next six months or a year, and you can't find yourself in a position to be the guy who helps them invest in you because they are investing in that, right? You know, guy, then a little secret, go find the customers who want what you need. Boom. The one. The one you just talked to doesn't need you. Uh, and there's an old saying, I, in my consulting role, I've advised different parts of the organization, from finance officers to HR, to marketing, to sales, to, right? So, but when I, I'll never, you know, I had a friend who started a sales business. He was going to teach people how to sell. And one of the best aphorisms he ever came up with, and it's a good lesson for life too, Mark, is yeses are good. Nos are good, but maybes will kill you. And what he was trying to say to salespeople is, if get to a no or a yes as quickly as possible, you don't want to stay in mainland. And a lot of us are too scared. We're, we're scared that, oh, oh my God, if I pitch Mark Ledlow, that you know, he should spend $20,000 with me to do a risk assessment. If I pitch it and ask him to make a decision and I, I don't, I just want him to sit on it. It's okay to let him sit on it. Oh yeah. That's called maybe. Mm. Yeses are good. Nos are good. 
maybes will kill you because the uh, velocity of business will not stand by and let you stay in business if you have too many maybes. Wow. Now the master class in business 101. Not really. Not really. <laughs> Just the shared learnings. I hope, I hope it's relevant to somebody in your audience. And, uh, and Mark, I hope it uh, actually improved your brand instead of diluted it. <laughs> I think it, I think a marker chair went by 10 times today. But you know what I'm really hearing from a lot of uh, potential clients is, oh, we're going over first quarter budgets right now. We don't really have a budget. It's first quarter. We're trying to figure out how much we have in the bank to spend for the rest of the year. We're like, okay, when will we have an answer? Uh, let's reconvene it that February. We'll have a better idea. We got to get our meetings done. And uh, everybody's got to get out of jet and make it to the location of time for the meeting. Get everybody shut down. So we get left to do Zoom after all. <laughs> but it just seems like there's you and you're going to have to. Yeah, three, three levels of why. Always remember, you can ask a question and get an answer. Then you ask a question about that answer. And then you ask a question about that answer. So the reason you're doing that is the first answer isn't always directional. It isn't going to give you enough to make a business decision, Mark. So what you're trying to do in that case is, again, I'll go back to they are spending money on something. What are they spending it on? And see if that aligns with anything you do that you could achieve value with them. Otherwise, um, otherwise it's Mark. Can I follow up with you in 30 days? Will you have more clarity in 30 days? Yes. But make sure you ask three levels of why of what, what they're investing in today. What's already in the budget, not to be cut, so that you can uh, at least see if that you can help in those areas. Great advice for those listening. Totally good advice. I know a lot of security companies, we're not just security companies, but a lot of companies in all industries are going through this first quarter. Everybody's, you know, trying to figure well, out what they're going to do for the rest of the year. Not security, but that's right. Uh, tech companies, you know, Salesforce just what laid off, Amazon just laid off. So everybody's going through the same stuff right now. And again, uh, if you're one of those layoffs, this isn't about your identity as a person. This is about a recalibration of what you do and care about and where it can be received in a valuable way, right? So, so take it as a gift that you've been given to recalibrate a place to a place where you can see your personal value integrated into your professional value. Take that as an opportunity. It's, it, it can be a blessing. Reinvent yourself. I mean, how many people are sitting all for what a year? All of different getting the letter loans, COVID stuff, unemployment. And many people changed careers, left their jobs, and started. I mean, I own. I started two new businesses during the COVID nineteen, and uh, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people did too. A lot of people got hurt too as well. They weren't prepared. Yeah. So, yeah. so can you reinvent yourself? Yeah. Again. But, you know, if you listen to this whole podcast, make, make sure if you are gainfully employed, you're doing the discipline of saving for your Rockefeller moment. That is great advice. 
especially from the agents of the paycheck to paycheck. I know there's a, a lot of people that got laid off in the Bay Area recently and because of all the tech cuts and all that. One guy, he had a great job. I'm not going to say the client name or the agent's name. Had a great job for a year and a half and he thought he had a full-time job. And then another company came in, built, built the project with their whole new team and the team got removed. And that just happened in the executive protection industry. Just how it goes. So we're not bidded by a couple of dollars less and new team comes in, the old, old world goes away. Typically, I think security contracts only last for a year or two years run. That's so typical, typical life cycle from what I've seen. Well, let's, uh, let's uh, look at this. I, it doesn't mean we won't talk again or even do another podcast again, but let's make a promise to each other five years from now to see if my original question to you is, how do we get rid of security as we know it today? Let's see what that looks like in five years. Well, be a different industry completely, I'm sure. I, 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 it already has changed in the 20 years I've known it. Um, it's already changed. But with the technology coming down the pipe and, um, you know, it, by the a very, very um, noted and respected former CSO told me a long time ago that you can't protect the company. You can do everything. I mean, you have to take measures as if you can, but you're going to get hit. And so the real key is how you respond after that hit. Mm -hmm. And um, and it, it, it really struck me, this is early on in my experience of the security industry. Here's a CSO, a, a innovative thinker, by the way, who says we can't protect the company. We really can't. That's school's goal. So, so I, I was thinking of that. Now, years later, with the advent of some of these technologies coming in, and um, it really is, you mentioned Ontic. Well, let's use a different term. Ontic is a company that has developed a platform that's very specific right now, but has the ability to grow in many different dimensions, right? But in my opinion, sorry, Ontic team, if I get this wrong, but in my opinion, they're one of the new companies in the security space who gets that data is the new gold, right? Data is the new gold. Uh, the way you collect that data, the way you organize it, maintain it, communicate it, and take action on it, data is the new gold. So if I'm a CSO and I'm looking to invest in security these days, I will lean toward a majority of my investment toward building my security organization to be a data-driven organization, a data-driven organization. And I will, I will leverage as much as possible automation to make that happen. I, I will look at ways, and I'm doing this as a thought experiment, to get rid of everyone that I need in security today based on the old model 
and reinvent it with new skill sets and new people who can leverage technology and automation in the future. And that's always going to be scary when you have shifts in markets like that. You know, you can go back way back in history where leaders will rise up and go, we got to stop. We got to stop this. It's going to put people out of work. Yes, it is. Let me, a little secret for all of you who are learning skill sets today, you will be disrupted at some point. So your main skill set is not what you learn in college or in an associate's degree or at ASSES. That's not your main skill set. Your main skill set is adaptation and agility. You've got to learn to reinvent as the changes in the world come. And uh, so we, we're at the cusp of that. It's the data-driven organization, probably less and less people and more and more automation. And uh, that's going to be the new world we live in. And I think many agents that are out there, you know, going to EP courses, shooting, moving, grooving, whatever, having some fun, you know, playing Rambo for the weekend. Nothing wrong with that. I like to do that to my Marine. But here's some advice you're getting. If you're listening to this podcast, you may want to think about maybe trying to get into uh, Intel roles or studying, take courses if you can. Uh, I, would, I would seriously readjust, expand your skill set, make yourself more marketable, not only be an ET agent, but hey, maybe the Intel analyst side may be a good move. I know uh, Kristen Linderson over at uh, Press 24, she's in that space, former FBI agent. She does that history. She's really good at it. She's way up there in the food chain. But there's something to be said. Those folks are never out of work. It seems like there's, I see more posts about those roles in data mining, which the Intel analyst does. What's that? And that's, I think that's the future of uh, protection services support is, you know, the CFOs and all those guys, they need those numbers and data to find out how to make a decision. That's, that's great. And so, if I were, if you're an agent, you're listening to this, you're breaking into the industry, you want to be Jason Board. Well, I think you might want to expand your skill set into more things than just being, you know, a bodyguard as a gun. So you well, keep yourself hired in corporate world. Well, the um, the uh, when when one of the Google engineers is quoted you know one of those off the cuff comments that is an indication of where we're going that um, that their quantum computers are becoming sentient you know what that means sentient <clears throat> I don't know what that word is s-e-n-t-i-e-n-t sentient means they're becoming more like us, okay? They're starting to take on human consciousness, human, uh, right? And then apply that to some of the interesting robotic companies that are coming into our space today. True. So they can make decisions that you create as almost like a Boolean operation. If this happens at this time, and uh, you need to take these actions. If they can make those kind of decisions, we don't need a human being on the other end of that, right? Sure. We, we don't. Sorry, all of you who are offended, but 
Man-machine machine integration was first forecasted 20 years ago called man-machine integration. And we're starting to see that in our bodies, we have chips now that are monitoring our heart rate and all sorts of different things. This man-machine integration will continue. Machines are not the enemy. AI is not the enemy. Just like an automobile wasn't the enemy and an Amazon bookstore wasn't the enemy. Okay. So what we really have to do is actively, again, think through the disruptions that are going to occur. I have some good friends in the executive protection space, and we've talked about this data-driven organization and turning their EP companies into data-driven service providers, right? That's where I would go if I was in the EP industry. If I was a manufacturer, I'd be uh, trying to make the case that I can deliver sensory data that can be applied through applications that can be applied to the future of AI uh, as quickly as your organization can respond to being a data-driven organization. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a new world. And I think that's good sound advice, Mark, you know, be a data-driven organization, get on the, get on the edge of that wave, maybe not the bleeding edge, but get on the edge of that wave. Don't let a wave come crashing down on you. Yeah, great advice, Ron. Yeah, that's just a feature of what I've been hearing after many, many guests stayed on the show and just, uh, you know, people, I get it as sexy, you know, being on the red carpet with that principal, being on the private jet, but that's 1% of what we do. 1% the rest is all the walls sitting on a house. And if you want to be channel one in the middle lane, I would say just learn to market yourself, instruct yourself mentally to be, uh, have many skill sets in this industry. And, you know, I know a lot of people are looking to get out of the industry early and doing other things. There's nothing wrong with that either. There's nothing wrong with being happy and uh, good mental health. Nothing wrong with that at all. There's nothing. That's why we have it in our, in our constitution, right? You know, the pursuit of happiness. No one, no, no one wants to have the pursuit of depression, diet, and change, right? The pursuit of happiness, yes. And part of, you know, part of the, the, the DNA of the protectors is, you know, you, you're alpha, male or female, and you want to dominate what you do. And maybe, you know, things do slow down the EP industry. It's okay to pivot, do something different for a while. We'll find a new hobby, a new, a new, new role, and something else that, Stimulates you. And a lot of guys giving out of the business, they're, they're more stimulated. I'm more stimulated now than I ever have been because I want to thought hat. And it's just having conversations with Ron. It's just it's okay to do something else too. And always have pride in who you are. And I know a lot of people identify themselves by what they do, but have pride in who you are. Yeah. I, that is the best advice you could give anyone. It, it, and that is, the suit you wear, the transportation you take, <laughs> the job you have isn't your identity. And if you have an alpha gene in you, that's good. It, it means not just you want to control everything. It means you want to achieve things. And how the and you so back to alphas work well in the context of a core value system that says, I'm going to put others first. 
if they are an alpha that doesn't put others first, watch out because they'll go through you, around you, they'll shoot you to get their way. But if they're an alpha who puts others before them, that's a whole other thing. There's a whole other behavior psychology podcast in itself. Man, this has been great, Ron. I mean, we covered a lot of ground in that. One hour, 20 minutes, folks. It's been, this has been a lot of great content. And I know Ross stretched it up and out to be on the show. And I know he's got many other consulting duties he does during the week. And uh, here's a tip, folks. Whatever you do on LinkedIn, don't mention the word retired. He's refired. <laughs> Mark, you're a good man. Uh, appreciate the fact that you're always learning. And that's why one of the reasons you're doing this podcast and I just wish you the best, and I uh, I hope I've added something to the people who listen in. Thanks, Al. Thanks, Ron, for your time. I really admire your mind. It's just it challenges me to think differently too. And I know everybody listening to this podcast is probably taking notes as they were driving. And also, do you guys do me a favor? If you can list, uh, leave a note on Apple Podcasts for us, give us a five star ranking. And we would appreciate that. And we'll be posting this on all the podcast platforms. I think we'll, we're doing 30-minute increments, episode drops. They're here to get about, uh, about four or five episodes with Ron and I. And mainly Ron, just giving us a lot of wisdom. I'm going to start calling him Professor Ron in college here with our master class. I think business. But I think not great not. What's that, Ron? By the way, because we were talking about disruptions, my grandfather was a ham radio operator. Was he? Wow. That's a ham radio. In fact, in World War II, they didn't let him join the military because they wanted ham radio operators in the United States to help defend the homeland. So this was his mic. No kidding. This was wow, his That mic. looks ancient. Look at that. Look at that, folks. <laughs> Isn't that a dinosaur metal or what? And now, now take a look at Mark's since all of my, yeah, yeah, little different technology, right? Yep. Plugged into my laptop. And think about it. Think about it. Before, before hand radios, what were there? Oh my gosh. What is that? Oh, tap, tap, tap. More stone. <laughs> right. So we'll back to the bookstore, the music store, the taxi. Just the function still is there. It's just reinvented in form and function in a different model. We as human beings have to be the same way. Wow. Go through. Adapt, overcome. How's a Marine Corps radio operator in the court? So that's, that, that is funny. Blow history, folks. Yeah, please. Uh, when we post this on LinkedIn, folks, please make a comment on LinkedIn as well. Follow Ron. He's busy doing things in the business world. No, 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 no. No follow. <laughs> you don't hold it up. You, you, you don't have to follow me. I don't need followers. If you do follow me, send me something to talk about. There you go. A thought. Provocative thought. Anyway, uh, tell the listeners, thanks for supporting the show. Thanks to Ron for his time to share his wealth and knowledge in the business world. And uh, if it wasn't for Folks like Ron and many other guests, we wouldn't have a show. So my appreciation, gratitude to everybody that's been a part of the uh, success of the Fearless Bicep Podcast. With that, we'll wrap it up and we'll see you on the next episode. Simplify to all you 
veterans that served our country and men and women in blue, you're going to say, if you on the next one, it's your name.